0: beloved church of god beginning our service before the lord let us stand and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the coming of jesus christ at the door of which he will come to be glorified in his saints let the resurrection of christ reign in our bodies amen let us bow our heads in prayer dear heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance, in the name of the blood of the covenant, be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depressions, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms. And we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, into righteousness and holiness. And so the right to set aside our former way of life, to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And despite the fact that God has given us this right, in order for us to be able to use this right, it is necessary for us to know the laws, statutes, and the decrees, how we are able to use this right that has been given to us. And therefore, we are continuing to turn to the labors of our pastor, brother Arkady, to be able to understand how we ought to use that right which the Lord has already given us. And for the fulfillment of this commandment written by the Apostle Paul, and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkadi, there are three faithful commands and fundamental actions. This is to set aside, renew, and to be clothed. From the fulfillment of these three requirements will depend the perfection of our salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed, so that we can gain it as a property in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Until our salvation is in the format of a seed, it is not our property. This means that it can very easily be lost. But when our salvation turns into the format of fruit, it becomes our belonging. And this means that this kind of salvation is difficult to lose. And with regard to this, we have stopped to study the 18th Psalm of David, in which the powers and the proclamations contained in the heart of David and the eight names of God had allowed David to love and call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and it gave God the basis to use the powers of these capabilities in battle against the enemies of David. Psalms 18, verses 1-4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies let us please all together proclaim our inheritance Lord you are my strength Lord you are my rock Lord you are my fortress Lord you are my deliverer Lord you are the rock in whom I will trust Lord you are my shield Lord you are the horn of my salvation Lord you are my stronghold May the lord hear these proclamations may he make us worthy of his wonderful names and characteristics and may he endure them in our hearts and our thoughts and in our proclamations and so we have already studied the first two names lord you are my strength and lord you are my rock and we are continuing to look at the third name lord you are my fortress and so after we, having magnified the Word of God in our heart, are clothed in the powers of the name of God's strength, and we weigh ourselves on the scales of justice, having cleansed ourselves from all impurities of the flesh and spirit and the powers contained in the portion of the name of God rock, only then could we receive the right in Christ Jesus to the portion in His name fortress, so that we can draw near to God. It is impossible to draw near to God if first we are not clothed in the powers of god in his strength until we magnify his word and we can magnify his word when we weigh ourselves not another one person with the word of god so that we can then run to god if i magnify the word and with this word i begin to weigh others well then i can't run to god to run to God or draw near to God is when I begin to weigh myself in order to cleanse myself from all impurities of the flesh and spirit. And so the name of God Fortress used in this prayer song as the portion of the Son of God in whom and through whom a person can run to God to know God and be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven containing the program and the time for the fulfillment of the sworn promises of God in Hebrew the name of God Fortress is defined by scripture as the abode of God the dwelling of God the sanctuary of God the inaccessible light in which God abides the place where man knows God the opportunity to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven it is the atmosphere of God's success and joy and it is hope and trust in God all of this tells us that God is our fortress so when we run to him In these eight components, we are able to meet with the name, the name of God, Fortress. Basically, the Fortress of God is the specific place where God abides, in the limits of which we can acknowledge God and be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven. Without God, we are unable to know God. In this place, God must dwell, and for God to dwell in this place, it's necessary for God to place a memorial of His name on this place. How can this be defined? Upon this will dwell the order of God. When I have understood the order of God, we say, Lord, this place is truly the place of God, and He then places an oath. All that I will bless you, I will bring to you a tenth part. We immediately conduct this order, pour out oil upon the place which the Lord has shown that this is Bethel, the house of God, the house of bread, that, Lord, if you in Bethel, the house of bread, will give me bread and revelation, I will hallow you with tithes and honorings. Jacob immediately submit himself to the order of God. Because there, where God dwells, God allows Himself to be known, and it is in this place that there must be a memorial of the name of God. And as we see in Scripture, when Abraham had wandered around, Isaac and Jacob, there's not a lot of places where a memorial to his name dwells. That's why when people say, well, what kind of difference does it make? What church I go to? Well, I understand when we don't have any choice whatsoever, yet we still must feed in that church where we, uh, although we be in a different country, but if I don't have an opportunity to dwell there with the saints, then I can dwell in this word, study that truth that is passed on in this church, partake in tithes and offerings in order to pr- to support this service, this must be done. Yet, I need to have the body of Christ a partaking to it. Therefore, we must be a part of some kind of church that sings psalms, uh, we must pray with them, and partake in the breaking of bread, where we become partakers with God. This was a decree not given by us, but God, because God had established it this way. And this place is found in three unique dimensions. So, the place in which we can know God. Well, first off, this is the height of the heavens, the sanctuary that is known as the Body of Christ in the face of God's chosen remnant, and in the heart of a person who is humble and contrite, and who trembles before the preached Word of God, from the person whom God has clothed in the powers of His fatherhood, and in the lips of the helpers of this person. If the helpers are students, then they preach with him in one spirit. But if the helper begins to speak not in one spirit, then behind this helper we should uh, we should not follow this helper. If you feel that a helper, for example, I, a helper of pastor, begins to tell you something not that the apostle says. That means that you are not called to follow after me. You can turn to the Apostle and say, I am not in agreement with certain things. I don't see that this person, Helper, is walking hand in hand with you. And it could be so that Pastor Arkady says, Daniel, this is incorrect, or yes, I will speak with him. We must know this, that we acknowledge the order of God. God was always against blind leading He is against blind obedience. We must understand this correctly. And to not blindly submit to the leaders of our cell groups and the helpers of pastors. The Lord gives one standard, and we all submit to this, the helpers of pastors, leaders of cell groups, and all saints. We must understand that who is a standard, for example, I can also say with pastor, imitate me as I imitate pastor. Pastor says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I say, imitate me as I imitate pastor who imitates Christ. So this is going to be correctly said. Therefore, I can say, imitate me as I imitate pastor who then imitates Christ. Thus, the verb, draw near to God, our fortress, contains the abilities that give a person the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the promise that relates to the door of our hope, with the fruit of which God will receive the basis to enter into battle over our body in order to destroy the power of death in our body and with a noise to forever cast out the old man from our body whose weapon is the power of death. We draw nearer to God in order for us to receive the seed of the promise and which must be grown by us, because it is this promised seed that we will grow in our spirit that is going to be able, with God, to forever cast out from our body the old man. In Hebrew, the phrase, draw near to God, means approach the altar Proceed to the knowledge of God, enter the sanctuary of God, draw near to God, to resort to the help of God, to find yourself in the fortress of God, to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and cultivate fruit to offer God. Turns out that to draw near to God isn't just, Lord, help me, show me mercy, but we must be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and then cultivate this fruit, the character of Christ to draw near to God, to walk in the sanctuary, to open our ear for hearing. It's not just saying, Lord, help me, this is good. But as we see that there are other components that show us the different components of what it means to draw near to God. And so each time God, through the Holy Spirit, allows a person to run or draw near to Him, then as a result of this closeness, we will have a coinciding fruit in the sphere in which we run to God. But also, like in the previous names of God, we should know that the presence of the Fortress of God in one of the spheres of our life cannot be an automatic guarantee for its present in other spheres. Because according to Scripture, for the presence of the Fortress of God, each individual sphere of our life must be brought to a state in which the powers of God could exalt in the sphere and produce fruit of a fortress and the subject of our salvation. Thus, it is us who, in each individual sphere of our being, are responsible for creating a kind of atmosphere that could give God the basis to be our fortress. In this atmosphere that is called to give God the basis to be our fortress is the good soil of our heart that is able to accept the seed of the Word of God and produce fruit that coincides to the seed that was accepted. The good soil of our heart that is capable of accepting the Word of God is the best atmosphere in which the Lord wants to communicate with us. Because in fellowship, He's not going to sit there and just drink tea. He doesn't drink tea. He comes as a spouse in order to drink tea with us. He comes in order to give us the promise which we will accept give birth to, will grow, and for this promise to be able to do something in us. Therefore, we need the good soul of our heart. I draw near to God. This means that God always has the Word. He always has a seed which He will plant in us that will grow. For coming to God, we must understand. When we pray, say, Lord, I thank You, Lord, for this food. We must understand, what are we doing? We draw near to God, and even in such a short prayer, our heart must be prepared in order to accept in ourselves the Word of God in the good soil of our heart, and not just the automatic speaking of certain prayers. So we must always be in the state and atmosphere of a disciple. And for this purpose, just as we did in the previous names of God that are called to become the portion of our salvation, we will need to examine the following questions. First, what characteristics and categories define our inherited portion in the name of God fortress? Second, what purpose is our inherited portion in the name of God fortress called to fulfill in the realization of our salvation? What price is necessary to pay in order to give God the opportunity to be our fortress and fourth, By which results should we define that God is truly our fortress in the realization of our calling? And so, we have stopped to study the fourth question, and we will once again read it. By what results should we define that God is our fortress in the realization of our calling that is comprised of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, that we are made carriers of a heavenly body? And we have looked at six results and have stopped to study the seventh result. And the seventh result that our heart is a fortress for God and we are found in the fortress of God will be our ability to accept Christ in our heart and our ability to place ourselves in Christ. So Christ in us and we in Christ. This is a sign that we have a relationship with the Lord, our fortress. And we have stopped to study the science how to accept Christ into our heart. So Christ in us, we become a fortress for God in order for then Christ to become our fortress. For this to happen, our heart must first be a fortress for Christ. And when our heart becomes a fortress for Christ, in the same moment the Lord offers us His place where He communicates with us. We have opened our heart to Him. We have answered to His knock on the door in the format of the voice of the person whom He sent in our hearts that preaches to us, or knocks on the door of our heart through the preached Word. We begin to open the door and to have a supper with this word that we have heard from this person. And the Lord in the book of Revelation says that the person that has opened this door, with him I will have supper, who will ponder upon these revelations, think about them. To have supper is to ponder upon the Lord. A supper is a cell group. When I am preparing, I begin to do what? To do what? When I'm looking at the Word, I begin to ponder upon the Word and have supper with the Lord. And the Lord says, To him who overcomes, I will allow to sit with me on the throne, as I overcame and sat with the throne of my Father, with my Father on his throne. So Christ sat on the throne of the Father, and he says that we together with him are going to be seated on the throne of the Father. So here for us is offered today the great reward to be found on the throne with the Father. Who could have thought? Who could have thought? That some of us not all some of us some of us are going to sit on the throne with the father on the throne on the throne with the one before whom the seraphim and the cherubim bow down and we will sit on the th- he will sit on the throne with his son and in his son He will have the Bride, the Church of the Lamb. An interesting future awaits for some of us. Others will stand before this throne and bow down to it. But we are offered to sit on the throne. To him who overcomes, I will allow to sit with me on the throne, as I have overcome and sat with my Father on his throne. And so, speaking of the fact that our heart becomes a fortress for God, we will offer by our pastor brother, Arkady, 12 components. We have looked at six signs of Christ living in us, and they were already the subject of our study during our previous service, and then, therefore, we will look at the other six signs the results or the signs of Christ living in us. And I took a look at them, and all of them are very close to one another. In each of the signs, Pastor shows uh, certain different angles, interesting angles, which we are called to pay our attention to. So we already looked at six of these signs, and today we will cover the other six. And so, the seventh result of Christ living in us, we will experience resurrection in the sphere of our broken spirit. Isaiah 66 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist as the Lord. But in this one will I look on him who is humble and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. The heart of a person with a humble and a contrite spirit is a place where God dwells. It also serves as a fortress for God. And to have a heart that could be a house of God, it is necessary to build our heart on the foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ into a living house out of gold, silver and precious stones. Our heart must be built into the house of God. It must have the foundation that is founded on Christ and upon which is built a living house and this living house must be made out of gold silver and precious stone this all is referring to our heart or rather a house where the father favors to dwell take a look at how the lord plays uh, selects a place for his dwelling he doesn't want to live in some kind of hut made out of straw hay he wants to live as a king and he says your heart must have a firm foundation in christ jesus and i want to live in the home that is made out of gold silver and all the precious stones let's read first corinthians chapter 3 verses 11 through 15 for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is jesus christ now if anyone built on this foundation with gold silver precious stones wood hay straw each one's work will become clear For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. This is talking about those people who had a foundation and faith in Christ Jesus, but they are building out of wood, hay, straw. Those that had built out of wood, hay, and straw, they... They had correctly a set a foundation, meaning we accept justification as a gift. It is His work. It is His victory. I accept it. And if I do something holy and pray, or fast, or serve in church, help, serve God, live a holy life, this is not to earn my salvation. This is to show, Lord, I am your child, for you have given birth to me, and I am in the likeness of you. But I don't earn all of this for salvation therefore it's necessary to have the correct foundation and not just foundation but to build out of precious stones gold silver and precious stones out of which it is necessary to build ourselves into a house of God these are the precious promises that we obtain through the fu- fruit of our spirit all of these precious things are the precious promises the sworn promises the Word of God in which we enter through the fruit of the Spirit, and the material consisting of wood, hay, and straw are the works of the flesh, or dead works, which we consider as good. And so, wood, straw, and hay are not just works of the flesh, but they're also dead works, as Pastor wrote, when we look at evangelism as a good work. Evangelism, which no one has called us to do, or has sent a or a person sent himself without being sent. When a person says, I have been sent, alright, well, let's go forward. The person that had sent you, was he himself sent? This person says, no, he established himself, or no, he was selected by way of a majority vote. No, this person then does not have the messengership of God, and he has no right to accept uh, the apostleship, because this message is the baton that gets passed on. To To get the baton, it must be received. God passes the baton to his, to his messengers, messengers pass it along to helpers, helpers pass it along to the people of God. Who gave you the baton of evangelism? Was it someone who was self-called to service? Then, Therefore, this is a dead work. Let us take a look at gold, silver and precious stones, where we will be able to find these precious promises that are expressed in the character of Christ, in the fruit of the Spirit. 2nd peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9 as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been great to us by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises again these promises are gold silver and precious stones that through these we may be made partakers of the divine nature so the great precious promises are those things through which we become one with God, so that through these great and precious promises, we can be made partakers of God's essence to become one with God, having departed ourselves or having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, so that these precious promises can allow you to be part of God's essence. Apply all diligence and show in your faith virtue, what is virtue virtue is that which god calls good and that which god calls evil in virtue we have knowledge and knowledge we have self-control and self-control perseverance or patience and patience godliness and godliness brotherly love and in brotherly love we have love for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. According to Scripture, only after we build our heart into a house of God, the atmosphere of which will be a humble and contrite spirit that discovers itself and trembling upon hearing the preached word, we will be able to offer God a sacrifice. When we build our heart, into a house of God. And how do we define that we have built our heart into the house of God? Based on the atmosphere. What is this atmosphere comprised of? We read in a humble and contrite spirit. Oh, I have a humble and contrite spirit. See how calmly I'm speaking with you, courteously. No, this doesn't mean that we have a humble and contrite spirit if we talk in such a manner. A humble and contrite spirit only discovers itself in trembling upon hearing the preached word. So, the Lord defines everything to, as His trembling to His word. He says of many of His disciples who left Him with these: they say, this is the tree that My Father has not planted. He says, they don't have trembling before My word. This means that they don't have the atmosphere of disciples, they don't have a humble and contrite spirit that discovers itself in trembling upon hearing the preached word. This is a very important component, saints. When we come, scripture says, be ready to hearing the word of God rather than to the sacrifice of fools. Because when we hear, the Lord says, I look at this and I will not accept your sacrifice if I do not see in you your ear that is trembling and has inclined itself before hearing the word of God. Incline your ear, O daughter, and only then the king will desire your beauty. Incline your ear means show your trembling before the Word, and then the King will desire all of your beauty and sacrifices. Psalms 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Again, we must remember this formula. A sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. What is a broken spirit? It is a spirit that is humble. A humble spirit is one that trembles before the Word of God. The sacrifices of God, again, are a broken spirit, a broken, a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Therefore, to offer God a sacrifice without a contrite state, or rather without trembling before hearing the word of God, is prohibited. Contrite spirit. What are the definitions of a contrite spirit? Contrite spirit is one that is struck, broken, lame, torn to pieces, impoverished, saddened, brought to childbirth and laid on the altar. And now, let's take a look at what definitions are given to us where we can see a contrite spirit. First, a contrite spirit is the meaningful and welcomed decision to crush all our abilities to rely on something, to hope for something, and to make something our support, besides trusting on the precious promises given to us by God in Christ Jesus. Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. People who have fully refused to rely on something or something, but who rely on the precious promises, Scripture says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they rely on the precious promises that are given to them in Christ Jesus. Without poverty of the Spirit, we cannot rely on the precious promises, and if we can't rely on the precious sworn promises, then we are not going to be able to have the kingdom of heaven without this contrite spirit. Furthermore, where a contrite spirit discovers itself, A contrite spirit, in its poverty, expresses its desire and thirst in searching for God and knowing God and His will. A contrite spirit expresses itself in hunger and thirst, in searching for God and knowing God and His will. We'll talk about this a little later on, what it means to desire and thirst in searching for God. This is when we have the Word and we wait for it with patience. When everything is speaking against us but we hold on to the word of patience and scripture says this is the definition of a person who hungers and thirsts for truth for truth in the search for god we will talk about this a little later on and we can define that a contrite spirit expresses itself in poverty and poverty expresses itself in desire and thirst in searching for god and his will furthermore a contrite spirit entails the lameness of the soul which can no longer rely on its rational abilities and humbles itself before the rational capabilities of a broken spirit. Take a look, it turns out that it's not just a contrite spirit, it turns out that a contrite spirit is defined by the contrition of our soul. This doesn't happen for me to have a contrite spirit, but not a contrite soul. Or, on the contrary, they undergo contrition together. Let's look at the example of Jacob. If Let's take a look and test if our soul is in contrition or not. Genesis chapter 32. Then Jacob was left alone, again, this is preparation for contrition. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, again, couldn't bring him to contrition, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was at a joint as he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me until you give me the precious promise through which I can become a partaker of God's essence. Take a look. He asked for blessing. What kind of blessing? The precious promises. Why did Jacob need the precious promises? Because he knew that he is God, and God was wrestling together with him, reaching the goal of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he knew that he was called to accept these precious promises and pass it along to us, the Gentiles, and to accept these precious promises. We need not just our spirit to be contrite, but also our soul. And the Lord had brought him to contrition. Furthermore, we see uh, him say, I will not let you go unless you bless me until you give me the precious promise for you to pass it along to the saints. So he said to him, What is your name? And he says, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Israel meaning warrior of prayer. And Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place, Peniel, where I have seen God face to face and my life was preserved. As the pastor said, to save our soul, to preserve our life, is to place it in Christ Jesus. This is the only way our life can be preserved salvation for spirit, soul, and body, we lose our soul so that we can save it. If we do not save our soul and we worship before a nation, the house of our Father, their opinion, if we worship our denomination, our religion, our own personal understandings and opinions, how I see fit, how I see necessary, then uh, we won't lose our soul. And it says then, just as Jacob crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. In this case, the rational abilities of the soul in their state of lameness made dependent on the rational abilities of a broken spirit entail the defeat of the old man, which robs him of his dominant position in the body. When the rational capabilities of our soul are made dependent on the rational capabilities of broken spirit, this produces the defeat of the old man, the defeat of the old man. So the old man, his power is our body and our soul in the substance of our intellect. This is the white house of the old man. It is very important, very important to have for him to have this substance because he understands that he will lose authority over all of our essence body if our White House is going to be given up to Christ. If we accept the revelation of God in our spirit, and if we cast out all the demons, Democrats out of our thinking with the Republicans and place Christ in our thinking. And then when this happens, that's it. He no longer has authority over our body after which the members of our body are given over to being slaves of righteousness. And thus, all three substances of the human essence receive the legal ability to lay themselves on the altar of the Lord. When can we lay ourselves on the altar of the Lord? Then, when our soul places itself dependent on our spirit, and this will allow the members of our body to present themselves as servants of righteousness. Why? Because the old man no longer has that place from which he can govern. He governs over our essence from the position of our intellect. Our intellect is, or our soul is very important to him. And the Lord rules from his spirit. And he places our soul dependent. He renews the thinking of our spirit with the truth, and this allows. The members of our body to be servants of righteousness and then the old man cannot uh, rule and then we can play ourselves on the lay ourselves on the altar of the lord yeah. psalms 34 5 through 6 says they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed this poor man cried out and the lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, that is written about in Luke chapter 16, verses 19-31, two categories of people are represented. The rich man represents a category of people who, not only did not have faith in Christ Jesus and their foundation, but built their structure before God that was made of wood, hay and straw, which together represented the riches of this age, doomed to death and burning. While Lazarus, and in Lazarus, represents a category of people who built their structure before God on the basis of faith in Christ Jesus out of gold, silver, and precious stones representing imperishable riches in the dignity of the precious promises of God that make us partakers of the divine nature that we inherited through the fruit of our spirit. So the Lazarus and the the rich man, the rich man has no name. Lazarus, his name means, my God has helped me. And scripture says that he was poor. The rich man, Lazarus was not a rich man. The rich man relied on his denomination, his victories. He relied on his evangelism. He relied on his good works. He was rich in all of these things. but with a loud noise he went into hell. Lazarus, he was rich in God. Although he is called poor, but this kind of a person was rich in God because God was his helper. This is an image, and right now we are talking about how we are going to be able to build ourselves into the house of God. We must have a correct foundation, and we must correctly build our building out of precious stones And not out of wood, hay, and straw. Therefore, when a person builds his building and relies only on what is physical, then scripture says that this will all be lost, like this rich man's things. In the book of Esther, these two categories are presented in Queen Vashti and in King Ahasuerus. Esther chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. In those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan – Shushan means lily – the citadel, that in the third year of his reign he made a feast for all his officials and servants, for all the people who were present in Shushan the citadel from great to small in the court of the garden of the king's palace. In accordance with the law, with the law, the drinking was not compulsory, for so the, queen, the king had ordered all the offices of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. Queen Vashti also made a feast for the woman in the royal palace which belonged to King Ahasuerus. So she, Queen Vashti, had made a feast not in the garden but within the royal palace. Let's look at certain components in this uh, in this image. Well, first, the first thing that we should pay attention to is that Ahasuerus made a feast lasting seven days for all men, women and children that lived in Shushan the Citadel in the court of the Garden of the King's Palace. The Garden is the place where one can offer fruit in order to inherit the precious promises made of gold silver and precious stones, out of which one can build himself into the temple of God. The second thing we ought to pay attention to is that Queen Vashti, using her anointing power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, expressed in the drinks of King Ahasuerus, according to the example of the king, also made a feast in the palace of the king, but only for the woman, where there lacked good soil, they did not have this garden, there lacked good soil that could grow fruit of the Spirit, in order to inherit precious promises out of which one can make his body into the house of God. Third thing worth paying attention to is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and anointing power outside the good soil of the heart could not serve as precious material for building oneself into the house of God. The gifts of the Holy Spirit and anointing power are not the precious material for building ourselves into the house of God. Fourth, the garden for King Ahasuerus as an image of the good soul of the heart points to the fact that this person is a warrior of prayer, whereas the home of the king points to the lack of the good soul of the heart, which is not a house of prayer. Therefore, one should never be led by anointing, despite the fact that anointing comes from God. But it is not given in order for us to be enticed or led by it. It is given for us to to help us to bring fruit and not to be led by this anointing. Anointed man of the Lord in the face of, excuse me, uh, the warrior prayer in the face of David is always an anointed man of the Lord, whereas an anointed man of the Lord in the face of Saul is not always a warrior prayer. Fifth, the lack of good soil in the woman who gathered in the courts of the king, who used their anointing authority and exercised gifts of the Holy Spirit, pointed to their lack of a seed in the face of a man, which figuratively pointed to the fact that their proclamations lacked the seed of the faith of God that could abide only in the good soul of the heart, which figuratively represented the garden of King Ahasuerus. She She proclaimed, but these were not the faith of her heart. They were idle words. A person who thinks that practice the gift of the Holy Spirit and anointing can lead to God, these kind of prayers and services are called idle by God. Six, the lack of children at the feast in the palace of King Ahasuerus pointed to the lack of the state of infancy in the heart. Savashti so said, only woman. There were no men and no children. If we rely on the anointing, and again, Pastor provides a conclusion for us here, if we rely on the anointing exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, our heart cannot possess the state of the heart of infants. In this case, our proclamations cannot be the seat of the faith of God and be partakers of the divine nature in order to inherit divine salvation. And consequently, our heart cannot be a place for Christ and cannot serve as a fortress for God. We know that Queen Esther, that was taken instead of Vashti, she also made a feast, and she invited the king to the feast. But she made her feast, and her feast was found near the garden. This was the place of the feast upon the garden. If you remember, when she invited him to the feast, when she invited this king of Hasiris, she said, take Naaman. And when he came to her to this feast, and when she again turned to the king and said to the king, of his, asked of his mercy for him to protect her from death and protect her people because she was condemned to death, scripture says that the king came up and said, who is this, who would this be? And she says that this is the evil Naaman. Scripture says that the king stood up and went into the garden. Rise up the wind, and blow upon the garden, and the aroma will flow out. In order, before carrying out the decree to the old man, King Ahasuerus is called to go into the garden from the feast. But Queen Vashti did not allow him to do so. Queen Esther did, when she asked for protection. This monarch, he did not hurry in his justice. He stood up. He went into the garden to check for the fruit of the spirit in the heart of a person. And when he returned from the garden, then he carried out the judgment over Naaman, and he was taken out and he was killed. Let my beloved come into my garden and eat of its sweet fruits. This is what Esther had done, and we see that Queen Vashti could not do this. Why? Because Queen Vashti, she had collaborated with the precious promises. Queen Esther did this, and this is not to enable the gift of the Holy Spirit anointing, but this is to create a feast. Out of everything that we have heard, we need to make a decision. Are we Queen Esther or are we Queen Vashti? Queen Vashti, she made a feast with the woman in the King's palace. There was no garden, there was no fruit, there was only anointing, there was wine drinking, they drank there, and there were only women. There was not proclamation of the faith of the heart. There was not a seed, there was not the word. Whereas Queen Esther, had made a feast for all, and she had a garden which the winds, the northern and the southern winds, had rose up, and they begin to threaten with death. And the Queen Ahasiris himself went into the garden, and when he went into the garden to check for the aroma, is there an aroma coming from this garden? We need to check for the presence of fruit there he returned and provided this decree to nail this old man eighth as a result of christ living in us we become a temple of god and the carriers of the holy spirit do you not know that you are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwells in you if anyone defiles the temple of god god will destroy him for the temple of god is holy which temple you are first corinthians 3 16 through 17 we are talking about the eighth result according to which we can define that Christ is the one who lives in us. We again become a temple of God and the carriers of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. At the same time, we should not forget that the Holy Spirit can live only in a person who has left infancy and has ceased to be carried away by any wind of teaching, by the fact that he has separated himself from his people with the cross of the Lord Jesus, from his Father's house and from the corrupt lusts of his soul. And thus, he received the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit or to depend on his revelations. Romans chapter 8, verses 14-17 through 17, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. If a person believes that the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the sign of tongues gives him the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit, then he is deeply mistaken. This is clearly seen from the words of Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In order for our bodies to become a temple of the Holy Spirit and a fortress for Christ, it is necessary, through instruction and in faith, to build ourselves in this spiritual house and holy priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-5 through five, says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, envy, hypocrisy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so, to vainly affirm that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit means to proclaim empty words for which we will need to answer before God. we need to become the spiritual dwelling in this holy priesthood. We can't exercise in prayer until we create a prayer atmosphere. We can't be a holy priesthood if we don't build ourselves into a spiritual dwelling, a temple of God, a tabernacle of God. So God wants to First, make us into a tabernacle, a temple of God, only then we can be priests. First, the temple was created the tabernacle, it was anointed, and then the priests were clothed in garments and they were anointed for priesthood. Therefore, the Lord takes up a lot of time and does not hurry anywhere in order to make us His tabernacle, His temple, and this takes up a lot of years. Why? because the salt isn't in that this is difficult to do. The essence is in the fact that a person doesn't understand how God is going to make him a spiritual dwelling. How is he going to make a temple out of me? How is he going to make me his tabernacle where he can come to and where I can come to for, to him? How can I be the spiritual dwelling in this holy priesthood? First, we build ourselves into a spiritual dwelling. And as we said and as we read in the labors of Apostle arkadi that a spiritual dwelling God begins to build when He begins to work with the Holy of Holies. It's necessary for Him to place in the Ark in the Holy of Holies. This is a Conscience that is cleansed from dead works. What is this Holy of Holies expressed in? It is expressed in the fact that I have an Ark. What is an Ark defined in? As we heard and we read, there must be three sacred things that tell us that we have this Ark. The Ark itself tells us that we believe in the one whom the lord has sent if you are asked do you have the ark what is the ark expressed in the disciples asked what shall we do to do the works of god here are the works of god so that you believe in him whom he has sent so that we do what so that we believe in him whom he has sent when we believe in him whom he has sent we then have this ark that appears in our heart. We become disciples. A person, disciple, has a heart who has an ark. It's a person who believes in that person whom God has sent into his life. How do we define that I believe in him whom God has sent? We will take a look at what is found in the ark. Apostle Paul says, in the ark was, firstly, the rod of Aaron. The rod of Aaron tells us that the Lord shows Who represents his authority after the three men were rose up and were destroyed and they alive went with their homes into hell god said bring me 12 rods out of the 12 tribes and bring them before my face they came and placed them and the lord said i will show you whom i will select don't select the anointed one in the church don't say god has sent me here is the one that i will show you he who in the night is going to give light and will offer fruit. Twelve rods, which they relied on, these rods, these sticks, were laid before God. The rod of Aaron, it had flourished and brought fruit. They lifted up, and it was lifted up with fruit. He says, This is Him whom I will send place it into the ark, and they place it into the ark, and then he says, take this golden cup and fill it with manna. Manna is the bread that came from heaven. This is the bread which others had said said about it. What is this? What is this manna? What is this manna? This definition of manna is, what is this? In Hebrew, manna. And he says, this manna is supposed to be in this golden vessel, and he says, bring it to this golden vessel. And he places it. This the worst word, meaning I have accepted the person whom God has sent. And that word that he speaks, the heavenly bread, I place it in the golden vessel. What is the golden vessel? If we take this manna and place it outside of the vessel on the next day, it is going to rot. So that it does not rot, this manna does not rot, it's necessary to place it into the golden vessel. And in this golden vessel, in the golden ark, It could be there for thousands of years. This isn't enough. It's necessary to have the tablets of testimony. The tablets of testimony say that that person whom God has sent in my life through the presence of the rod, that person who speaks the word of God, which expresses in itself in the golden vessel with manna, he says to me through the tablets of testimony, this is the foundational, the commanding, And the faithful, as Pastor says, we read in the very, very beginning, as Pastor says, we will turn to the very first page, as Pastor had wrote it for us. For the fulfillment of this commandment, written, and Apostle Paul presented to us in the series of Apostle Arcadi, there are three faithful, commanding, and foundational actions. These are the commandments of God. They are commanding, they are foundational, and they are faithful we find that we then have the ark of God. When we have the ark of God, now when I hear the word of God, it from the ark of God is then found on the golden table of showbreads. In order for me to now collaborate with God, I need to build in myself this spiritual dwelling, this golden table of, bread, of bread, showbreads, upon which will be twelve breads, and they must be in two rows of six, six breads in each row. And this is the essence when the lord affirms his covenant when we repeat the truth the holy spirit very uniquely especially recently we like never before are returning back he has turned over the whole world the holy spirit has turned over the whole world upside down in order for us to be able to affirm the covenant with him to affirm the covenant is to return to the truths the mountain Ebal and Gerizim, where the Lord has spoken His words of blessing and curse. There He has affirmed His covenant. Therefore, repetition is always the mother of teaching. When we affirm the truth and when we dwell in these truths. After the ark, we then have this table of showbreads. We place fragrance where we say, Lord, I refuse to distort the word of God. I want you to reveal to me that which you have spoken in it, and if I on the Sabbath lay them, I wait till the next Sabbath to take these breads and eat them. Because I promised God, I have placed this oil. I not my I am not going to interpret myself. We come to cell group and people say, Well, I thought this way, and this is how I see it, or this is how I see it. Let's wait a little bit and let's not hurry if we don't understand. The Lord is going the Lord placed the breads on the Sabbath, and then on the Sabbath he will also answer to us, and he does answer us. Therefore, when we have this golden table of showbreads built, it is then transformed into a small vessel with oil, which is one part with the golden lamp. These breads are then placed into this vessel. We can then take this vessel, pour it into our lamp, when we begin to open up these truths that we have accepted into our heart. We begin to understand them, and then we begin to proclaim them in a censer before God, in a prayer censer. This is the prayer of saints. And we then become a sacrifice of incense when we lay ourselves on the golden altar of burnt offerings, or the bronze altar of burnt offerings. In this manner, we build ourselves into a spiritual dwelling so that we can conduct this priesthood. And this was the eighth result. Ninth, as a result of Christ dwelling in us, we will be transformed into the essence of Christ. Galatians 4.19, Apostle Paul says, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. To portray Christ in children, one must be formed into the character of Christ himself, writes Pastor Atkadi. That in order for us to portray Christ in the church, it's necessary for the man of God himself to be formed into the character of Christ. The children of God can only be called the category of people who know the voice of God in the person clothed in the fatherhood of God and who follow this voice. And therefore, only the category of people in the dignity of disciples is able to make herself dependent on the preached word that is able to form their character into the character of Christ. Their character into the character of Christ. So, Word to form, as it says, my children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. This word form means to transform, to give a shape, to imitate, and to mold together. So the Holy Spirit wants to form Christ in us. And Apostle Paul uh, cares for this. And let us take a look at how it is possible for the Lord to be able to form Christ in us. Luke chapter 9, verses 49 through 56 says When the time had come for him to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messages before his face. As they went, they entered a vigil of the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for journey to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is peace, the place for justification. So he went into Jerusalem, and if he went into Jerusalem, then the Samaritans did not accept him. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, the sons of thunder, when they saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? The sons of thunder said that. Do you want us to uh, devour them with this thunder? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, and they went to another village. With these words, Jesus showed that He is a representative of the Ministry of Justification. After a short time, Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob, whose heart was seeking God, and through which later the Samaritans accepted Christ. All those Samaritans that had previously rejected Christ, they then accepted Him. They couldn't accept them through the sons of thunder, because they were not of that spirit, but the, uh, the Samaritan was out of, of that spirit, she brought them to Christ. The Sons of Thunder had pushed them away from Christ, the Samaritan had brought them to Christ. The heart in which Christ dwells is the bearer of the ministry of justification, first of all, for himself, and then for those whom God foreknew and predestined that Christ could be portrayed in them. It is by the presence of the justification that has become our property, in the fruit of righteousness our heart has acquired the ability to accept the truth of the reigning teachings of christ and the holy spirit as the lord and ruler of our life which allowed christ to be formed in our heart and so this was an interesting ninth component what have we been able to fi- see in this component that we must be transformed into the essence of christ he must be formed in us and in order for us to be formed in us it is necessary for us to behave as the samaritan woman did take a look why did they reject him they saw that he was as him who comes or who wanders into jerusalem into jerusalem so each time the children of god someone meets with us and sees that we are headed to jerusalem in order to accept justification they will say you know what? Uh, teach yourself. Then you will teach me. For Christ to be formed in me. But when they see that we're going from Jerusalem to Jericho, he then meets with the Samaritan woman there. To go into Jerusalem is to receive justification. To go from Jerusalem to Jericho is that justification that we have received in the seed in the Jericho that is the city of righteousness. To receive the to Bring the fruit of righteousness. When they saw Christ with the disciples who thought they had the Spirit of God, they had such names, sons of thunder, they are going to pour down the fire right to left. Scripture says, when you go to Jerusalem, you don't know of what spirit you are, but when you go from Jerusalem to Jericho, it is this kind of state that allows Christ to be transformed in us and to be formed in others. That's why it's very important. It is impossible to require from other people, again, if we provide a conclusion. Don't require of others that which you yourself don't have in you. Christ was formed in Apostle Paul. And until the Samaritans saw that the sons of thunder would have Christ in them, they said, you know, we don't accept you, we don't need them. What kind of message is this that you are sending? Christ is not formed in you because you are headed towards justification. But when we head from justification to righteousness, when you make it so that your salvation that you have received as a deposit for it to become your property, we will see that Christ has formed in you and we see that Christ has formed in you as he has formed in Apostle Paul, we also will want this. You will be a magnet. We want to be just as just like you are. Take a look, the demon said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? Take a look, they wanted to be a light, but they couldn't be this light. The tenth result of Christ living in us, we will have the ability to search for God within us. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9, With my soul I have desired you in the night, yes, by my Spirit within me I will seek you early. Searching for God in the depths of our spirit is our search and our waiting for the revelation of the truth engraved in our heart. So the search for God is defined through waiting for the revelation. We should highlight and remember this. What is searching for God? They are those people who are ready to wait for the revelation. They have accepted the truth. And now they wait for the revelation in our heart. And this is searching, to wait for the revelation in our heart. This is to search for God. Our search for this revelation of the truth engraved in our heart unveils our hunger and thirst, which for the Holy Spirit is a foundation to reveal this truth in our heart. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand on my watch and set myself on the rampart, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. He waited for this standing on the rampart, on the tower of his heart. And therefore, we also must build this kind of a tower in ourselves that will allow us to be able to wait for the word of God. It is this anticipation of the word of God, anticipation of the word of God. Scripture says, and as you have kept the word of patience, I will keep you from the years of tribulation that are coming upon the whole world to test all that live on the earth. What is patience? I have accepted the promise, and I begin to proclaim, and thank God for this promise I have accepted, although everything around me is speaking against me. I continue to proclaim the word of God, and I anticipate the revelation of this word in myself or some kind of truth that I don't understand. I lay it in my heart, and I wait for it to then be understood by me. I wait for it. I thank God for this truth, but I don't reject it. This helps us search for God. I have not understood what pastor said. It's difficult. I am perhaps not on the same level as him. I begin to look on the internet to see, what is this preacher saying this? What is that preacher saying about this? And then, at the end, I make my own conclusion. I think, based on all of this distorted information, that this is how I should look at this truth. And this is going to be a new lie that has been born on planet Earth. Scripture says that we need to search for God inside. Search for God means to wait. Be patient. The word of patience and anticipation. I have accepted this word, yet I don't understand it. But my seeking of God is comprised of the fact that I am waiting for, and I thank God for that revelation. I thank Him for the Church of God, the depth of His word that I can be astonished by. Why do we dig in the Internet? I say, Lord, I thank you for your word. For its depth, its wide, its length. Whoever says, I have found the answer on the internet, I feel sorry for him. Eleventh component. As a result of Christ living in us, when examining ourselves, whether we are in the faith, we will discover Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. You do not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified. The faith of the heart is the truth of the reigning doctrine of Christ in the face of the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth in the heart through the preached word of the Messenger of God. The reason many people oppose the revelations of the Holy Spirit In the word of the messengers of God is that the soul of their hearts was not prepared to capture the truth of the reigning teaching of christ and therefore the holy spirit did not have a reason to reveal in their hearts the truth that does not exist such people do not and cannot possess the ability to examine themselves in a faith that is not in their hearts but they possess the unique ability of a seducer to judge everyone except themselves Attribute their vices to those whom they judge and attribute the virtues of those whom they judge to themselves. And so, if our heart does not oppose the preached word that reveals the truth in the heart, then when we test ourselves in faith, we will find Christ in ourselves. So, test yourselves whether or not you are in the faith. If this faith is in our heart. And as we know, how can I test myself? I test myself for the presence of dead works. I don't have them. Then, in this heart, we can engrave the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ. And now, that heart that was cleansed of dead works, that had the reigning teaching, the Word of God engraved on it, now, this heart, with this heart, I begin to weigh my thoughts, words, actions. I weigh myself, according to this Word of God, to test myself. But first, before weighing and testing myself, and leaving all of that which does not coincide to His standards, it is necessary for us to test whether we are not in the faith. This means, is my heart cleansed from dead works? Which it must be. And in it must be written and engraved the word of God. Therefore, the Lord does not hurry. He spends a lot of time, a great deal of time. I shouldn't say waste, but He uses. He uses a lot of time in order to cleanse our conscience from dead works. And when He has done this, now, he then He begins to engrave this Word of God in our hearts in order from this position we, if we can test ourselves if we are in the faith. And then the Lord says, Now weigh yourself on the scales of justice. Twelfth, as a result of Christ dwelling in us, we will experience resurrection in the sphere of our contrition. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus, as the High and Lofty One, who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the High and Holy Place, with Him who has a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. We should know that the brokenness of our spirit is our decision to totally dedicate our hearts to God. The contrition or the brokenness of our spirit is the full dedication of our hearts to God. Without total dedication, we can't have contrition of our spirit. Psalms 51, verses 15 through 17. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire a sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. A sacrifice for God is a broken spirit we should note that all that is dedicated to God is always a format of a burnt offering, that which God accepts. Only after heart is broken for dedication to God do we receive the basis to die to our nation, the house of our Father and the corrupt lusts of our soul. In Hebrew, contrite means broken, torn, ripped apart, brought to birth. To experience resurrection in the sphere of our brokenness is possible only after we refuse to rely on everything but Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7-11, through 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to death, if, by any means, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. was the resurrection in the spheres of our essence, beginning from experiencing in our heart the triumphant resurrection of Christ, is a, re- is a result of the obedience of our faith to the faith of God In which we begin to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent as existent. And that's why, if we do not endure the power of resurrection in our spirit, this will mean that Christ does not live in our heart, and that which we consider the contrition of our spirit is a forgery. So, in our spirit, there must be resurrection. In our spirit, there must be resurrection. Because when we are born again, we are born in his by His resurrection. And this is life in our spirit, but not resurrection. This life can be lost. When we are born again, we receive life of God. And for this life from God to become resurrection, we need to undergo death, and then this life will become resurrection. Life is not always resurrection. Resurrection is always life. Life that has not become resurrection will be lost. Resurrection is life that will never be lost, but only through death. Through the death of the Spirit, this is not possible. To die in the Spirit is to die to the Lord. We have two options. Death of the Spirit, when a person dies fully for God, or the contrition of the Spirit. Contrition of the Spirit is when a person affirms his salvation. Contrition of the Spirit is when life given by God upon being born again, becomes resurrection. And scripture says that for all of this to occur with us, this is like what happened with Samson. Samson, for scripture says that he upon his death had destroyed a lot more Philistines than during his life. So we must remember one thing that until our spirit is contrite, we will not be rid of our character, we will not be rid of our genetic. we are going to be bound and tied to our nation, we are going to sit on social networks. When our head is covered with grey hair, we will comment or look at the profiles of those people that have long ago been died and been buried. I only have my friends as you, I was never on a social network, and I don't condemn anyone for this, but I just want to say that it's necessary to undergo contrition of the Spirit. Why do people return to their own mire? Why do we all of a sudden have unchristian friends? Because the Spirit has not gone through contrition, because the life that was accepted has not become resurrection, this life will be lost. And if He will be saved as a brand of fire, perhaps, but this is rare we will pray and thank god for that word that we were able to hear dear heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we thank you for the great privilege to be found in this place that Your hand has outlined for the worship of Your Holy Name. We thank You that upon this place, You have placed a memorial remembrance of Your Holy Name. And You have said, Lord, that the gates of hell will not overcome Your Church. We thank You that You have once again allowed us to affirm in our heart and in the proclamation of our lips that no one can place another foundation than the foundation that has been laid by Christ we have this foundation jesus christ is the justification that we received as a gift of grace the redemption in christ jesus and allow us lord today through hearing your word and through collaborating with your word to begin to build out of gold silver and precious stones and allow us to reject wood hay and straw they're going to be destroyed in the day in which you will come to test those that live on the earth Allow us, Lord, when you will test by fire, you will test by fire the building of every person so that in this fire it can become even more brighter. We thank you, Lord, for your church, for your Zion. We thank you for your messenger who today is found in the pangs of birth, in suffering, so that in us Christ can be formed. And we accept this messengership because that person whom you have sent in our life, he is not wandering to Jerusalem. He is going from Jerusalem to Jericho to affirm righteousness. And we see this righteousness in this holy person. And we thank you that we are able to imitate and look at him as he imitates Christ. And this is the best kind of evangelism. Allow us, Lord, for Christ to be formed in us and for us to be a light and salt to this earth, for us to be a blessing to one another, and for us to not push away, push each other from one another, but for us to be one. We thank you that we are your house, that we are built to a spiritual dwelling and a holy priesthood, and that today, we can bring you a sacrifice that is going to be accepted by you. We thank you that you have built our heart, and have cleansed it from all evil works. We thank you for that truth that today is in our heart, which you today have conducted in order, that truth through which you affirm your covenant for your church today. You cannot affirm your covenant for your church without the mighty Word of God and without the mighty Holy Spirit who uncovers the significance of your Word. You can affirm us, your covenant only through your word and through your holy spirit and we thank you lord that these two faithful witnesses that stand before the god of all the earth today bountifully dwell in this place we thank you for that revelation that we have had remembered today you've allowed us lord to take it from the golden table of showbreads you have allowed us to place it into the vessel with oil So that when the voice sounds here is the groom come out to meet him for us to be able to take these vessels and to fix our lamps and to rejoice before your countenance and to proclaim come now lord jesus we thank you lord for the hope the hope of the coming of the lord jesus christ and at the door of this hope you have promised that you are going to come to be glorified in your great day before your saints. Before you are uncovered in your glory, you have said that you will come and be glorified in your saints. You have already, Lord, been glorified in our spirit, our spirit which you have brought from a state of life to the state of eternal resurrection, to the state of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that eternal life, it is found only in resurrection, in death and hell, in the second death, And soon, Lord, for each of us, even the first death, is not going to have any kind of power over us. We thank you, Lord, that death has been swallowed up by life and resurrection. Your resurrection, Lord, which dwells today in our contrite spirit, let it spread upon our mortal soul and let it spread upon our decaying body. For this promise is precious, it is capable of spreading only through a contrite spirit, because you have given resurrection and life to those that are contrite in spirit, and you have given your precious promises, which today are found in heaven in the hearts of saints, and which are going to be revealed through faith, being called to salvation. We thank you for these imperishable, precious promises, which we dwell in today which we proclaim today. They are our comfort. They speak with us, and we thank you, Lord, for this word. We thank you for the person through whom you speak to us. or our pastor, Brother Arkady, we pray, Lord, for him. We do not hurry you, God. We just ask for your mercy to hasten to our soon meeting. that He can give us the gifts of the Spirit in Your Word. Today, Lord, we are going to continue to affirm our covenant and those truths that have become the attainment of our heart. We will rejoice, Lord, through these truths, and we thank You for these truths. We thank You for the atmosphere of the Kingdom of Heaven that dwells in our hearts. We thank You. Or the reigning atmosphere of the Holy Spirit upon this place. You have lifted up your banner, the banner of love upon this place. You have delivered us from tolerant love. You have delivered us from evil. You have cleansed your church, Lord, from evil people. And we thank you, Lord. This was painful. It was painful when you separated us from the enemies that are in us and you destroyed the enemies in the face of the old man in us. But we thank you, Lord, that today our body is no longer the power of the old man because in our thinking you have placed your throne, that throne which you have placed in the contrite spirit in which dwells the resurrection of Christ. Today, Lord, you have also placed it In our soul that is renewed, that has gone through death. And you have placed your throne and we ask you, Lord, that you spread the authority of the might of resurrection upon our body and on the whole body of Christ. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in the body of Christ. We thank you that you have made us partakers of God's essence, partakers of this precious promise. We worship before you, our almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one For Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with unblemished joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.